Thanks, Scott. Well, good morning again. Good to see everyone here again for worship. We live in a very tired country. I don't know if you knew this, but we live in a very sleepy and tired country. The energy drink market in the U.S. is almost a $20 billion industry uh, and is growing steadily. In a, in a depressed, struggling economy, the energy drink industry is, is actually on the rise. Um, did anybody have one this morning? Yeah, an energy drink? Yeah, some form? Here's the kind of commercials you see on the topic. This is a commercial that uh, you might see related to this issue. Eating lunch isn't exactly hard work. So why do you feel so tired afterward? Instead of refueled and focused, you're foggy and sluggish. It's that 2.30 feeling again. So how do you get your clear, alert feeling back? Have a coffee? Then another? Do this instead. Take one five-hour energy. In minutes, foggy and sluggish is gone. Hello, clear and alert. Five-hour energy. Take it after lunch. Be clear and alert for hours. <laughs> well, if we're not tired, we certainly feel tired. Who, who do you think is the largest group of consumers of energy drinks? What group of individuals? Teenagers? Early 20 males? Studies show that it's young mothers are the largest group of consumers of energy drinks. <laughs> young mothers. Here, here's some of the slogans that promise the help that we need when we're really tired. So, five-hour energy. Drink it in seconds. It's a tiny bottle. thought about chugging one up here, but I was afraid of the effects. <laughs> Drink it in seconds. Feel it in minutes. Lasts for hours. Um, Red Bull gives you wings. You can pretty much do anything with wings. I've always wanted to be able to fly. And so, from as, even as a kid, like, I just really wish I could do that. But Monster, you know what the slogan is? Unleash the beast. Yeah, that's right. Unleash the beast. And Rockstar. Party like a rock star. Because rock stars party all night. And so, I notice we have a rock star here on the floor. You can lift it up and be proud of it. <laughs> there it is. When he came in this morning, I was like, yes. My, fr- my good friend, Barry, he-, he told me he chugs one every morning. So, You know, we, we, we do. We deal with this tiredness constantly. Some of us drink coffee. Some of us drink rock star. Some of us just, you know, go running when we're tired. I don't know what it takes, but... We've been looking at some of the thoughts that come up in our life that try to attack and derail us from accomplishing God's purposes in life. And our goal for the series has been to isolate the thoughts that come up. Try to isolate the thought, recognize this is an enemy thought, and, and I'm to counter this in some way. One of the lies that we fight constantly is this, is this lie. It's, I'm too tired. And it's really, it's this, really what we're talking about this morning, being too tired and how to deal with just the thought that comes up of, I'm too tired. And in the midst of a busy season, we often think, I'm too tired to really give everything I have got to give to this challenge. Too tired to do it. I'm too tired to push on. I'm too tired to pay attention. Sometimes we think we're too tired to pay attention to all the little careful details, and so we end up leaving things out because our reasoning is, I'm too tired. Often we need the energy to just get moving. If it's a busy season at school or a busy season at work, or if we're just... In the midst of a series of struggles at home, if there's relationship conflict or tension, that can just add 
tiredness and fatigue, or if you're caring for maybe aging parents. You know, sometimes you're caring for aging parents, or or for you're caring for sick children. You know, that can just make you extremely tired. And some parts of life we get just so worn down, it is tempting to think or to say, I'm too tired to do what I need to do right now. And there's things that we all need to do, and there's responsibilities we need to keep a tight grip on, but because of this thought, we can think, I'm just too tired to do what I've got to do now. Proverbs actually warns us against where this thought could lead. And so I want to briefly look at this verse to get us started, and then we're going to look in the Old Testament, moving on in, in the book of Joshua. So Proverbs 6, though, says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This thought can be very destructive. Look at how this verse reads in a modern paraphrase. A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You look forward to a dirt poor life. Poverty, your permanent house guest. The, the consequences to this thought of I'm too tired to move forward, I'm too tired to do what I need to do, the, the consequences are devastating according to the scriptures to loosen your grip, to back off of the forward progress that we need to be making. Two weeks ago, we began looking at Joshua's story and how he was handed the responsibility, kind of like the baton was passed from Moses to him after Moses died, and God said, now Joshua, you will lead the people into the promised land now that Moses is gone. And Joshua had to, he had to face several thoughts and really lies that came up to him and to the people of Israel as they were trying to advance into the promised land. And so God commands Joshua with three things. We found these, Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. But in summary, here's the three commands he's given. Number one, be strong, God said. Be strong, meaning keep a firm grip. That word in Hebrew has to do with keeping a firm grip on my responsibilities, not loosening my grip on the things that I'm you know, supposed to be in, in charge of in my life. Keep a firm grip. Be strong. So for Joshua, he says, be strong with your leadership. Second, he says, be courageous. Courage in the Bible has to do with moving forward. It's acting with valor. You're advancing. You're not backing off, but you're moving in a certain direction to make progress, to take uh, new ground. Third, he says, be careful. He tells Joshua, be careful to obey all of the commands that I give you, God said. He said, don't deviate. Don't even move slightly to the right or slightly to the left on what I've told you, but walk very carefully in these commands. And sometimes, you know, the commands come up, from the Bible, we start reading things, and we're like, eh, that just seems like we can make that a minor detail. Here's a major detail. We want to separate details. God tells Joshua, don't do that. <laughs> he says, be careful to obey all that I've commanded you. <clears throat> so Joshua leads uh, people of Israel to the very first battle, and it's the battle for the city of Jericho. And just to summarize, God told Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lead the people, and you're going to march around the city six days and just go one time around the city. And then on the seventh day, everyone's going to march around that city seven times. And after the seventh time around on that seventh day, everyone, there's going to be this loud trumpet blast. And then everyone's going to shout. And when you do, the walls are going to come down. And he follows exactly. And if it's, you know, us being given this command, you know, we're tempted to just fast forward and get to the trumpets or get to the shout. But Joshua makes sure he pays attention to these details because God told him, hey, be very careful. And so God gave them the victory. The walls fell down. I know for me, after the victories in life, after the goals are met and reach an accomplishment, that's the time when I usually want to take a break. 
That's the point when I want to camp out for a while, enjoy the victory. But this would be Joshua's role. God would continue to advance and push him further. Rather than allowing him to relax and settle his family and and all the people of Israel right there in Jericho and say, okay, time to, to set up a new life, God pushes them past that limit, past his capabilities, and God advances them further into the promised land. They come to the next city, which is called Ai. And when they reach Ai, they're expecting a landslide victory. They think this is a a simple battle. They send a smaller group of people to fight against the people there in Ai. And they're beaten so badly. They they get beaten and they're chased away. 36 of their men are killed. And they're all chased back. And it's discovered that a man in their midst had basically... um, stolen some things, hidden some things, and he wasn't careful to obey exactly what God had told the people to do in the city of Jericho. And so he, he kind of saw something as a minor detail. He glossed over the details, hid some things, and it cost people their lives. God disciplined the entire Israelite army because of what this one man had done. And Joshua, he prayed this prayer, and God revealed to him that there was sin amongst their group. And the sin needed to be dealt with before God would give them victory in Ai. And so God deals with this, or they deal with this man who had stolen some things. And then God gives them another victory. He gives them Ai. And it is this, um, they get supernatural help from God in order to defeat their enemies. So we're picking up in Joshua chapter 9. After both Jericho is destroyed, and now this second city, Ai, is destroyed. And we're going to learn some lessons on tiredness as it relates to the Israelite army, and Joshua even as a leader. Uh, what had happened was as soon as news got you know, around that region that the Israelites had taken Jericho and now Ai, all the other groups were afraid. And so people were considering joining forces in order to take and prepare to battle against the Israelites. Uh, but one group decides that they're going to try to deceive um, the Israelites. So let's, let's read and see what they do. This is in chapter 9 of Joshua, verse 3 through 5. says, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon, heard what Joshua had done to Jericho, Jericho and to Ai. They, they, on their part, acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions. They got their food ready. They took worn-out sacks for their donkeys. So they got these beat-up saddlebags, in a sense, and wineskins that were worn out, torn, and mended, with worn-out patched sandals on their feet and worn-out clothes, and all their provisions were dry and crumbly. They basically look like they're this you know, like beat up, worn out group of foreigners who are traveling from a far off land. And they approach um, Joshua and they say, we're from far away. We've heard about the things you've done, not in Jericho or Ai, but they referred back to what God had done in Egypt and some of the other things leading them out of Egypt. And he says, we've heard about you and can you take care of us? Will you make a treaty with us not to harm us? And Joshua falls for their trick. Now, this is, in fact, the people of Gibeon, which is the neighboring people group. And so this group, rather than, you know, wanting to battle, they, they think we're going to be taken, so we'll go try to make a treaty. And so they, they create this deception, and Joshua falls for it. He falls for the trick. He, he makes a, you know, a, a, a treaty with this group, and the Scripture says that he didn't inquire of, of the Lord. Rather than praying and asking God, is this a good move? Should we make a treaty with this group? Which God had told them not to make a treaty with the people of that land. Um, he didn't check with God first, and so after the treaties made, a few days go by, he discovers that this is the Gibeonites. This isn't this faraway group. This is, in fact, their neighboring enemy. 
And now they've just made a treaty to form an alliance to actually protect this group. And so Joshua, um, he leads the Israelites at this point to keep this treaty in spite of how fair or how unfair the situation is. Look at what happens in verse 18. It says, then all the congregation murmured against the leaders, meaning everybody was ticked. We just made an, a treaty with this, this group that we were about to go against. But all the leaders said to all the congregation, the leaders knew that they had made a vow, and they said, we have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We'll let them live, lest God's wrath be upon us. We don't want to break our vow, the oath we just made before the, before the Lord. He says, because of the oath that we swore to them. So Joshua, he pulls the Gibeonites together, and he reveals to them, hey, we know what you did. We know how you tricked us. We know your secret. And we're going to keep our word. We've got this peace treaty with you. We'll protect you. Um, and he gives them an assignment. He says, you're going to be kind of like our servants. And so he gives them some, uh, some tasks to do of what their role would be for the people of Israel. And as part of their treaty, he protects them, though. Around that time, five neighboring kings, really to the south, they start hearing that the people of Israel had formed an alliance to protect the people of Gibeon. And Gibeon was a strategic city. And so um, all, these, all these armies started getting shaken because they're thinking, man, if, if Israel takes Gibeon, that's this huge city, they're going to be unstoppable. And so they formed this alliance, these five different kings, led by one king in particular. And they, start, they wage war against the people of Gibeon. They, they decide, let's attack Gibeon before Israel is really able to move in and start gaining that stronghold. And so they started advancing on the people of Gibeon. And then the Gibeonites asked Joshua to keep their treaty. You made a treaty to protect us. Will you help us fight against our enemies? And here's Joshua. Imagine him. He's two battles in. He's you know battled Jericho, Ai. And he is now being asked to fight someone else's fight. Who likes to do that? You know, have to step in for someone else who got themselves in a mess, especially a group of people who deceived them. This is, this is right when the enemy thought comes up of, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to deal with this. This is someone else's problem. It's not my fight. But he made this treaty, and so regardless of how he felt, he decides to keep the treaty, and he responds to the request for help. And here's, here's what goes on. Verse 7 of the next chapter says, So Joshua went um, up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him. And all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, now pay attention to what he says to Joshua. Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. And this is a huge army. Five different enemy army groups joining together. He said, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Meaning, not even a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. So Joshua, verse 9 says, came upon them suddenly. He caught them off guard, having marched up all night from Gilgal. You see, they leave, um, I don't know, maybe as the sun is setting, and they head to Gibeon. From Gilgal, where the people of Israel were, to Gibeon, it's this 20-mile journey over, and the elevation is, is a 3,500, is a approximately, um, elevation increase. So they've got to march 20 miles to get to Gibeon to save these people. Average marching speed, I don't know if anybody was in a marching band, but it's like three miles per hour. And so... You know, to get all these people there, this is going to take eight or nine hours through the night. But Joshua leads them through the night so they could catch their enemy by surprise. Here's a map of some of what, what happened. Is you see 
off to the right where the Jordan River is. They cross the Jordan. They take Jericho, Ai. They settle in Gilgal. And that distance from Gilgal to Gibeon is it's approximately 20 miles. But what you don't see from the map is you have this elevation rise of 3,500 feet. And so if you've ever went backpacking and you're, you know, it, it can be a trek. You might put in four or five hours of hiking, but these guys are going much, much further than that. And it's at this point when you're marching through the night and you're thinking, we're going to go fight a battle for someone else. We're going to go defend this deceptive enemy army that we've formed a treaty with. That's when you're thinking, man, I'm too tired. I'm too tired. This is when it comes up. Here's an example for, for, you know, if you fast forward to our life and our real world and some of the ways that we face tiredness, here's another example of, of someone who is just, they think they're too tired to press on. This is from the scene of a movie where a coach is trying to stir his players when they think they've already lost a battle, a game that they haven't even begun yet. And so he starts trying to challenge people to push past their limits and their capacity. So let's, let's take a look. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. (laughs) (laughs) What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I did a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep your, keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. If, if you've ever been like an athlete and you've endured hell week, it's that week where they thin out the tryouts and they, this is like the last week before they, you know, they draw a roster and you make it through hell week and you can endure past all of the coaches and everything they put you through, then you, you may earn a spot on the team. But you go through this season of extreme fatigue 
in order to get there. And the coaches, they break you down and they keep... And we get to those points in life often. You know, if you've been through high school sports and done anything like that, you know, it's not just, you know, over after hell week, but you step into the real world beyond, you know, life after high school and all of that, and you start facing extreme fatigue. If you're a parent of a young child, and you haven't had any good uninterrupted sleep in months or even years, you've had multiple kids and you're just, you know, you don't even remember what good sleep was. You know firsthand the effects of being tired. Or if you're a parent of a teen and you're up at night anxious about your teen and the choices that they're making. Or if you're in a season right now at work where you're just wiped out. You're putting in 60, 70, 80 plus hours because it's go time in your industry and this is just what you do and have to do. And we have these different things that come up and the weeds start growing and the appliances start breaking and the relationships get twisted up and you know you're tired. When we're tired, we're not functioning on all cylinders. And it's kind of like our, our emotions and our energy level just is depleted. And what happens is it leads to thoughts of defeat, thoughts of discouragement and burnout and despair. And, and if we own the lie of, yeah, I'm, I'm too tired, if we own that lie and accept that lie, what happens is we loosen our grip. The thing that God told Joshua is be strong. You're going to be in this battle and you're going to be so extremely tired you're going to want to loosen your grip. So God commands them, you must be strong. You've got to keep a firm grip. Because if you loosen your grip on your responsibilities, which is the opposite of strength and being strong, then we reap the consequences of loosening our grip in life. And this is in your listening guide. When we're tired, damage comes if we relax our grip or if we stop moving forward. This is where the damage really comes in life. In parenting, in marriage, in work, in decision-making, in your career, in your finances, in temptation. Damage comes if, if you loosen your grip just because you're tired. If Israel had given in to their tiredness and took a nap during the battle and they decided to dig little holes and just crawl into the hole and go to sleep, they would have put themselves at risk. They also would have put the Gibeonites, their ally, even though they were a deceptive ally, they would have put all those people at risk as well. So fighting past their tiredness was what was critical. And that's true for us. We can push through just like they did. They marched through the night from Gilgal to Gibeon. They caught their enemy off guard, you know, surprised them through the night. They weren't expecting this group to come, and the Lord gave them some extra help. Take a look at what happens. Verse 10. They come through the night, and verse 10 says, And the Lord threw them, meaning these five enemy armies, he threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of ascent by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon. That's like the road or the, the ridgeway leading to this place, Beth Horon. Instruct them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down, here's, a, here's where God provided some extra help, supernatural help. The Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. You see, God had promised Joshua, look, don't be afraid. Not a man of them will be able to stand against you. He's saying, I've given all of them into your hands. And as, you know, God sends supernatural help to Joshua in the form of hailstones at a time when they really needed the help because they were exhausted. They were tired. Can you imagine getting through this all-night journey, finally getting there? Now you've got to fight a battle 
right when they really needed God to deliver them. He did. He provided the help. During the battle, they pursued their enemy another 11 miles. They had already journeyed 20 miles. Now they go another 11 miles pursuing them. This group is going over 30 miles to fight someone else's battle. And God strengthened them. When we think we're at our limit and we're at our capacity, oftentimes we think, I'm at my limit right now. I cannot add another single thing. I can't do anything else than what I'm currently doing. The example of Joshua and the army of Israel shows how God empowers us as we really trust him. We need to remember some things. One, when I'm worn down and when I'm tired, I need to ask God for help. Then I need to wait on his refreshment. I need just to be honest about how I'm feeling. Bring that to God. Request the help from him. And wait on him. Wait on to, to see what he's going to do. God actually promises to give us power and strength to the weary. When we think we have no more, when we think we're at our limit and our capacity, he can stretch us much further, he can provide the strength for us to bear more responsibility. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 40, verses 20, 29 through 31. It says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Have you ever fallen exhausted? You're just totally tired? It says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This passage is packed full of promises from God. God gives power to the faint. He, he helps those who are so exhausted that you can barely stand upright. Have you ever felt that way? I mean, recently? Or are you just like, I am so, so tired. I just want to fall into bed. God helps us. He can provide the help. To the one among us who has no might, no ability, God increases the strength. The less that we have to give, the more we can rely on him. His strength increases as our strength really does decrease, but as we just continue to trust him from day to day. This is counterintuitive, but this is a real picture of what it means to really rely on God. But it's backwards in our thinking. This doesn't make sense. We think, eh, I'm tapping out. I'm at my limit. That's what we do. That's what makes sense to us. God says, no, you can, I, I can stretch your capacity far beyond what you can even wrap your mind around. Verse 31 also describes what happens when when we wait on God to come through, we get renewal, we get refreshment. The word renew in verse 31, he says renew their strength. This word in Hebrew, it means to change. So the idea here is that we have, we can exchange our tiredness for God's strength. It's kind of like you're taking off old, torn, smelly clothes and you're putting on clean clothes, new clothes. You've been exchanged these nice new clothes. God refreshes us by the help that he gives us. He provides the renewing that we need. And this renewal, then, it allows us to do the second thing. It allows us to continue to trust in God as he increases my capacity. You see, God wants to grow our capacity. And as we get renewed in our strength, then we keep looking to him. We keep waiting on him. Waiting doesn't mean that we take a nap and do nothing in the midst of difficulty. It means we set our mind to hope in God. We don't hope in a set resolution or a set timetable or even a set specific outcome. We just hope in God who we trust will come through to deliver. We just hand him like all those thoughts of here's how I'd like you to solve it, God. Here's my timing. We hand that to him for the most part. We can do more than we think we can with his strength. He increases our capacity. I, 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 I don't like to have to ask somebody in our congregation who's already overwhelmed because they're, they're just giving so much of their time. And I'm like, man, I hate to go to this person again and ask them to to bear this additional responsibility because they're already overwhelmed 
God's already using them, but they've been so faithful. And they're the perfect person to help in this way. And as they go to those people, and, and God, God's faithful to stretch our capacity to handle more. You know, he provides the ability to bear the responsibilities in our lives where we have key investments in ministry and family life and friendship and in our careers. This is important to remember. He provides this stuff. Why is it important? Because this is not your listening guide, but the things that drain us are often the circumstances that God uses to really train us. And so it's those, those energy-sapping draining points. That's where God is. Tra- that's your training ground in life. Those drains is really God's training ground. The last part of Isaiah, that passage, gives us some fresh perspective on how God uses pressure for our good. He says that they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's what it's describing as giving us a picture. We can soar in the midst of, of a season where we feel like we need relief. Sometimes you think there's no way you can do what's needed. But the picture he's giving is that of an eagle. And an eagle is just flying above. That's kind of an inspirational picture God's giving God lifts us above our doubts, our tiredness, especially when exhaustion kind of sets in. He, he, he can lift us above that. Also, we can run despite challenges that we're facing. God provides endurance and stamina. Life is kind of like a marathon. You're juggling all these responsibilities, and you're just trying to keep going. When you're tired in a marathon, you've got to keep moving despite the wall. Runners talk about hitting the, the runner's wall in a marathon. I've never gotten that far. The wall usually hits me about three-quarters of a mile, I think. <laughs> the marathon's like 26 miles, right? I think, and and you you probably hit the mile, you know, the the marathon wall or the runner's wall after mile 10, somewhere in there probably, and and you power through it. God provides the strength to power through. He provides endurance, or it says we can walk and not faint. We can walk in the faith that He provides with amidst the daily pressures and the mundane daily demands that we have, chores, projects at work, meetings, problems, all these different things in the mundane. God wants us to keep plodding along. Look at what this author says about how God provides renewal. This is Warren Wearsby. He says this, The greatest heroes of faith are not always those who seem to be soaring. Often it's they who are patiently plodding. As we wait on the Lord, He enables us not only to fly higher and run faster, but also to walk longer. Blessed are the plotters. See? Plot along. Faithfully, for they eventually will arrive at their destination. With God's help, we can run, we can soar, we can walk. One of the things that we can't do is we can't lie on the floor. We can't lie on the floor and give up. You know, all of us need rest. We need rest. But God stretches our capacity in this area far beyond where we would limit things. I'd like to invite the worship team to come back up. And and we're going to be wrapping up with showing the ending of this clip. Um, just that, that guy crawling across the field. As we look at this clip, just think again about the tired things that you're facing and how much further God may want you to go. So let's, let's watch the end of this football clip. Keep going, brother. Give me your back. Don't quit. No. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. We're not telling you don't quit. Keep going. Don't quit! 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 Don't qu
Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Brock, you are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach, can I count on you? Yes. It's a powerful clip. He, he accepts the responsibility that his coach challenges him with. He recognizes you're a leader among the team. Everyone is looking at you. Everyone's watching you. I don't know about you, but I'm greatly encouraged by the people in our congregation who just keep going. We get hits in life, we take hits in life, but to get up and to keep actually going. There's some people that have just checked out. There's some people that have lied down in our faith. In different areas, we just lied down and said, I can't go anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm done, tapped out. But you notice in the clip, as he keeps going and everyone recognizes, he doesn't know he's well beyond the 50-yard line. He's won a whole football field, a whole hundred yards. His whole team sees, wow, this guy's going further. He hasn't even, he inspires the whole team. Everyone gets up back there and is just in amazement seeing how far this guy goes beyond his capacities. And that's what happens in our lives. As some of you, you keep going and going and going. It inspires the rest of us when we see your faith. And we recognize, wow, they're bearing a heavy load. And despite all that, God is renewing their strength. They're soaring. They're walking. They're running. They're not fainting. They, they're tired. But God is providing the refreshment that they need. And I, I would just call you forward towards that. Be the kind of person that, again, just looks to God for the refreshment. That's what we need in our congregation. That's, that's how we're going to make significant progress towards the mission that God has given us. Because of all the things that weigh on us, we won't even get to God's mission because of all the busyness, all the tiredness. We won't get to what God really wants if we own those lies. And so we've got to push past that stuff. And so I'd encourage you to, to really surrender these things to the Lord, specifically if there's some things he's showing you. The, the ushers in a moment are going to be receiving the offering. And I invite you to flip over this connection card and take a look at some of these next steps on the back here. Some different ways that you can apply the message this morning. One is memorizing Isaiah 40, verse 31. The verse about the eagles. And just <clears throat> committing to memory this, this picture of what God can do in your life. For a second, to maybe personalize this by keep blank in spite of how tired I am. I don't know what that is for you, but you might consider if there's an area that you're loosening your grip on, you're getting tired, and you're slowly, you recognize you're loosening your grip on something. Keep parenting in spite of how tired I am. Keep, keep focusing on my marriage. Keep building my marriage. Keep confessing sin. Keep battling temptation. Keep paying my bills, keep dealing with my debt, keep managing my emotions, whatever the things are, I'd encourage you just to respond to God. There's another step you can take that has another personal aspect of it. But let's go to him in prayer as we respond to him together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your supernatural help that you provide. As we see in the story of Joshua, you provide the help when we ask for it. And it comes in ways that we don't Anticipate. It's not on our timetable. It's not in our plan. But you, in your mind and in your plans, Lord, you deliver right on time. So, God, we're so thankful. 
Lord, would you strengthen us today to to regain a grip on our responsibilities if that's what's needed or to or to tighten once more the stewardships that you've handed to us to manage Lord if, if we find ourselves on the floor this morning having already given up I pray we get back up if we see someone on the floor help us to lift someone up and to, if needed to help call them forward support them Would you raise up leaders in our congregation, people who would just trust you as you stress their capacity and that that would motivate the rest of us, God, to keep going, keep going, keep going. Lord, you've called us to an eternal mission, helping people come to know you and then helping people grow and experience the life you've called us to live. And so help us, Lord, in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of our fatigue, Lord, to be renewed by the strength you offer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.